making a no-budget film, it's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're you're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. It's sort of a gloomy day here in Texas. Uh, no sunshine, but no rain. Uh, it's probably, <laughs> I don't know. It's like 70 degrees. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. That's not so bad. <laughs> okay. How, how's it going, man? I missed you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a couple of weeks off. Uh, as things are going good, I've, I've, I'm back in school and I'm learning to be a teacher. And uh, it got a little overwhelming, and uh, just uh, had to had to kind of rearrange some stuff. Uh, but sure. um, I, uh, you know, I've got got my schedule back under my control now, and things are happening at a Great. level I'm comfortable with. And so uh, I should be shouldn't shouldn't have that problem again. Nice, nice. Well, it, it last week was a tough week for me as well, and, and apologies for the podcast coming out a couple of days late. Um, as I said, at the last podcast before we, we wrapped, um, I had five days of shooting on an action film, which I think I could say the name now. It's called Acceleration. It's with uh, Dolph Lundgren. And so we had shot six days of that in December, which was a pretty tough shoot. And then, of course, went down and broke for the Christmas holiday and then ramped back up. And so, that, yes, last week was our last five days of shooting. So, uh, you know, an entire action film shot. Sorry, 11 days. Shot 11 days. Um, all overnight shooting. All, you know, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. shots. And a couple of those last days, I just slept in the, in the production truck because, you know, someone had to watch the gear during the daytime when everyone else went home to sleep. So it was a bit of a rough week physically for me. So um, thanks for everyone who, who, you know, held on until I could get the podcast edited and, and posted and, and now it's there for you guys to listen. I'll bet it wasn't a rough week for Dolph Lundgren. That man's a beast. <laughs> Dolph's cool. Uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. So are you, interesting guy. Am I hearing this right? There's a Dolph Lundgren movie coming out that takes place entirely at night? Well, I know. I know. It's pretty shocking. Uh, it's a little bit of a character change for him. Sounds exciting. Um, speaking of movies coming out. So there was, a, there was an announcement recently which, and that was the... Um, the Ghostbusters revival, where that picks up uh, immediately after the events of the original Ghostbusters 2, completely ignoring the events and the timeline of Ghostbusters 2016, the one with the all-female cast. The alternate universe Ghostbusters. I thought, uh, I mean, I, I love um, all of those uh, actors. Uh, you know, Leslie Jones is cool, uh, but Melissa McCarthy... Uh, Kate McKinney, uh, some of my favorites from Saturday Night Live. Um, Kristen Wiig is one of my favorites ever from Saturday Night Live, so I, I had to see it. I mean, that's a great cast, in my opinion. I, I knew it would be a Ghostbusters movie made in 2016. You know, I knew it would, wouldn't be anything that impressive or, or great, but you know, I can't. Yeah, that's a really good cast. i got to check it out. Uh, yeah, so I, I watched it last night, sort of preparation for tonight, today, and um, it, it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad film. It's a bad film. And, and to your point, it's unfortunate because it is a good cast. Um, I thought, I'll start with some of the positives on it. You know, um, uh, Kate McKinnon, I thought, brought a real freshness to her character. I really enjoy watching her on screen. She's able to actually change and, and um, introduce new characters in every role that she plays. Um, and I thought, I thought, you know, Leslie Jones, she thought she yeah. brought a real uh, authenticity to the film. Um, where probably most of my issues lie are in Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Because I saw this movie already once before. I didn't even know it. It's called Bridesmaids. And it's exactly the okay. same. Yeah. It, it's, it, 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 Paul Feig, who directed it, was uh, the, you know from Freaks and Geeks. And frankly, like it's, it just is... It's not a Ghostbusters movie in 2016. It's a Bridesmaids movie with ghosts. It's the same humor, slapsticky... You know, fart jokes, literally fart jokes. So it's it's like it basically if um, you know, after the events of Bridesmaids took place, if they all kind of couldn't I, became researchers in the paranormal fields and then uh, eventually had to, you know, make ends meet by busting ghosts. Right. That that would be the plot. That, that makes no sense. What I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it makes about as much sense as the movie. The problem the problem that they Good already point. had with it. Well, they 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 were they were struck with two problems. One of which 
um, this sort of genre of film based around the premise that there's a group of women who are r roughly incompetent for about three-fourths of the film, and then they become competent, and then they win. Um, and, and they rely on the strength of Melissa McCarthy's acting ability and of Kristen Wiig's acting ability. But, but when you really look at those characters, they kind of play the same characters every movie. You know, if you look at Melissa McCarthy in um, Ghostbusters and you look at her and say, uh, this is 40 or Bridesmaids or any of those those, you know, films, it's, it's basically the same bit over and over and over again. And that's no big deal. A lot of actors are like that. You know, Danny Trejo famously is only ever Danny Trejo in film. But I think what you ended up having is a film that although it did lip service to the original Ghostbusters, there's a Dan Aykroyd cameo, there's a Bill Murray cameo. Um, it, 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 it feels so disconnected to the tone of the original. It was always going to be compared to the original, which, which brings me ultimately to my, my main issue that, it ha that that film was facing, which was um, it unfortunately fell, again, regardless of the, the strength of the film on its own merit, it fell victim to the sort of um, hatred and vile that, that is spewed upon films where they change race or gender. Right, which is really why we're even talking about Ghostbusters today. You might wonder what is, what's these guys deals with Ghostbusters. What's been going on with uh, mainly on the Internet whenever a new franchise gets rebooted, you know, an old franchise gets rebooted again. Uh People seem to watch it, you know, put it under the microscope and really watch it to make sure that they're it's it's as if they're going it better give me the same experience I had when I was a child or I'm going to be furious. And this isn't, you know, kids that are just kind of that, you know, still this isn't the target audience. This is, you know, men in their 30s uh, that were the target audience once. They're not anymore, but they still feel like they owned that. Uh, property, you know, and they they want to make sure that when this new movie comes out, I want to feel like I did when I was eight years old in the theater again. And when they, they and it's not going to happen, and right. so they start looking for you know things to target reasons why, the, and 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 just a hate all over the film. And uh, in in, Go, in the case of Ghostbusters 2016, it was, I think it was that the the cast was changed to women became this. Uh, you know, really funny women, which if, if any one of them was starring in their own film, people, some of these same guys would have probably been excited and gone to see those movies. But uh, you put, you know, they put on the, the Ghostbusters outfit and now there's, you know, there's something to focus on as to, you know, why I'm not going to have as much fun with this film as I did when I was a kid. Never mind the fact that it's 30 years well, later. Well, that's it, right? That, that, that you, we see this more and more common in, in the, the so-called nerd culture or geek culture of film and filmmaking and art and music. And this movement of men, it's largely men, by the way. Let's point that out. It's largely men who have oh, who yeah. are looking for this sense of connection to a reboot or rebrand that evokes the same feelings they had when they were, you know, six years old or whatever it may be, five years old. Um, but to your point, sometimes you feel a certain way because of because of that particular time in your life. You know, when you're able mm -hmm. to suspend reality, um, when you haven't really experienced the type of life that might make you somewhat jaded, might make you somewhat salty towards things that are different, you know. You saw with The Last Jedi, certainly. Um, you know, there's this, there's a big sort of backlash movement that occurred against Star Wars now because uh, the Last Jedi didn't pander to nostalgia. Right, and if it had pandered to nostalgia in that way, who would have wanted to see that? Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, you could argue that the Force Awakens absolutely pandered to nostalgia, although there were people even there um, who who called. Um, the lead character of Rey, a Mary Sue, right? They they took umbrage with the fact that a female character was just so great at everything, and and maybe there's an argument to be made there. Maybe she, rather than representing a fully round, complex female protagonist, in, instead represents sort of the male fantasy of the uh, you know the, the geek female heroine who's just great at everything. But if you look at the original movie. Uh, Luke's pretty damn good at everything too. Yeah, I kind of just, you know, marked that up to um, she's got the force. You know, right. this is a, it's a space movie with magic in it, and 
magic is why she's good at everything, and it really doesn't require any more explanation than that. Oh no, and, and know, she was pretty characters... streetwise. You know, she'd been living on the streets for a long time, and it's not—it's yeah, not a brand new idea to to introduce the concept that a, a streetwise character is just really great at getting through life in a way that other people yeah. might not, who who come from more privilege. Well, that's true. Yeah, she did have definitely had a cunning that was not related to the force as well. But I, I think um, w- more what people are criticizing was her, uh, her battle prowess. What, what people were criticizing yeah. was her, right? At the, at the end of the day, if that was a male character with all the same uh, traits and actions that Ray had, if Ray was Ray R-A-Y instead of R-E-Y and it was a male character, I don't think anyone would have complained. I mean, I've, I've watched the original Ghostbusters recently uh, I haven't watched the sequel, uh, the, the 1989 sequel, but um, it was kind of fun watching Ghostbusters the, with the you know the original one from '84. Uh, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't really impressive. It, it just kind of seemed like a like an SNL sketch with a much high, you know from the '80s with a much higher budget and a plot and everything. But uh, especially seeing it in HD, you could see how kind of cheap it really was. A lot of it, uh, and and so. To me, the original films aren't really stirring up much excitement anymore. Why would a reboot? To me, the way I see it is that um, we live in a world that is progressing at a pretty rapid pace from both a technological perspective and also from a societal perspective. Um, I think that in, in spite of some of the things that are easy to point to in politics and some of the hate that exists in this world... Largely, the society is moving in a very progressive manner at a very rapid pace. Um, just in our lifetimes alone, the 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 number of you know disfranchised groups that are able to have um, a more comfortable lifestyle, a more inclusive lifestyle, given more rights, given more protections, is pretty incredible. And so I think that you have a world that 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 is rapidly changing from some people and and for some people they're having a very hard time with that and that leads them to cling onto the things that they know thing cling to things that brought them joy in a more quote-unquote innocent time there's sort of a hey why are we letting girls into the treehouse kind of thing right exactly yeah and i think that you're seeing a lot of that right now too in uh in video games as well i mean really big time in video games Uh, a lot of the the major um publishers are uh, losing a lot of money even right now there's a there's a saying that, that they're throwing around I, I don't even want to repeat it i hate it it's so dumb but they say uh, get woke go broke what and, does that even uh, mean it's it's like get woke go broke it's like um whenever they you know when when a, a video game comes out and maybe it's a part of a franchise uh, dragon age was one i don't know if you've heard of that it's kind of a fa- high fantasy game um it started including uh, gay characters and um, multiracial characters, uh, more female protagonists, and the uh, the fan base. Uh, you know, n- not all of them, but but a, you know, a certain section of the fan base started putting out YouTube videos and you know Reddit threads and just really hating on them for that. And you know, also though these these aren't. These, you can only have really so much success with a video game franchise, you know. Some there's, I mean, yeah, there's some like Street Fighter that go on for, you know, for t- decades. But uh, for the most part, two or three sequels to a video game, and you're gonna start, you're gonna start seeing that they sell less copies as they come out. But so what this statement is trying to establish is that the correlation between after so many in a series come out, they start including gay characters and, and uh, multiracial characters, multicultural uh, aspects of the game start, you know, that they're saying that's why they're not selling as many copies. Never mind that newer games, uh, you know, newer f- franchises are starting up, uh, n- new series, people are get, getting more interested in that. You know, mm. I, I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to tell. It's, you know, did, did, the, did the video game sell less copies because it's the fourth in the series and no one was interested or did it sell less copies because they put a black guy on the cover well yeah Uh, i I think i think people point to that they this idea that well if you change like in the in the case of ghostbusters you made an all-female cast right you introduce one female character you introduce an all-female cast and it feels like it's just it's gender bending for the sake of gender bending 
And I don't think that is really the case for a lot of these companies. I don't think that they are. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to take a property. And, and to your point about the video game, right? Like by the time you get to the fourth installment of something, how fresh can that video game be? Just by its own. Yeah. But just on by the by the nature of the way it's made, right? So I think what you have is is these publishers and these um, you know production companies and studios and what have you. They're trying to find some way to freshen up a, a, a dead property. Ghostbusters had run its course. There was not much you could do with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember by the time I was a teenager, Ghostbusters was kind of, you know, kind of considered lame, you know? People weren't... When we were kids, we all, you know, wanted to be them for Halloween, have the toys, uh, you know, pretending we were Ghostbusters in the neighborhood. But, I mean, by the time I discovered a skateboard and girls, it, it was over. Well, you know, if, if a new Ghostbusters movie would have come out when I was in high school... No one would have cared. What? What? Uh, I mean, what movies should we be watching now? What? You know, if if these remakes, if uh, Star Wars is, we're not the target audience anymore. Um, you know, what? Like, what are you watching now? Uh, that you're, you know, you're a grown man and you're, you're not really into that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I, I've really been. Um, I've actually been going funny. Ironically, I've been going backwards to older, older stuff. I just uh-huh. I just bought a a nine a nine movie collection of the classic Universal monsters. Oh, okay, the older stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started going back into things of that nature because those are things that when I was a kid I might have seen and enjoyed, but I didn't process in the same way. Um, they just looked cool and, and and nothing beyond that. So things of that nature. Um, the new Beverly here in Los Angeles is fantastic. Uh, we just looked, We just watched Smash Up Alley. That starred, um, oh, what is his name? Richard Petty. Richard Petty, I believe, the race car driver. Well, the, well, the reason I ask is, is because um, what I'm th- what I'm thinking is maybe 30 years from now, some of the stuff we're watching right now, True Detective, right now, or Bird Box, or something, you know, that they're, we're going to hear that they're remaking that again, mm. and a bunch of, uh, you know people in the thirties are going to be really excited about it. And all of us in our sixties are going to be going, it's not the, like it was, you know, mm. <laughs> it's, it's not, that's not a good, you know, true to you hear the remaking true detective and, uh, everybody's Asian and, Oh, what? And then a the bunch of 30 year olds are going to be going, uh, you know, Oh, that's a bunch of crap. And then like a bunch of 14 year olds are going to go, Oh, that sounds really cool. And, and there's going to be, uh, so that's what I'm wondering is like, as you know, as as we all all continue to age, are there going to be like multiple tiers of outrage, uh, based on what age group you're in? Whenever something's remade, is it just going to keep on kind of well overlapping? Um, I think I think the problem is multifold. I think um, I think this is a, this is a legitimate criticism that Hollywood has has oversaturated the market with reboots and uh, rebranding of projects. That are old. I mean, there's an. I just saw an article that said they're writing uh, an Escape from New York reboot, and um, of you know, course they are. Yeah, and then and right. you had Ghostbusters, and then um, you know down the list, you just the Hollywood saturated with the market with these remakes, hoping that they would catch fire again. And there's a larger economic uh, discussion about why they do that, but ultimately we don't. We as consumers don't go to the movies as much, and we don't buy DVDs as much. And part of that part. Go ahead. I I I think you're missing my point here, though. What I'm saying is when you're 65 and they start making the next Star Wars are is there going to be a bunch of uh, peers, you know, people in their 60s that are outraged that and then and then we're going to refer back to uh, this current generation of Star Wars that they've been making now. And we're going to say, like, that was a pretty good movie, but this new one is, right. is no good. And well, what I'm saying is I think it depends on the climate at the time, right? Okay. Like, right now, you have a climate where all the films that you liked as a kid are being remade. And most of them, again, fair criticism, most of them aren't being done very well uh, for various reasons. Again, a lot of times something is popular because it's a product of its time. And once you try to recapture that, it's just it's impossible to do. It's just... The, the, the stars aligned for that, you know, in this instance, the first Star Wars or the stars aligned, or sorry, the first Ghostbusters, even Star Wars. You know, if you look at back at the original Star Wars, it's amazing because of the time. If that same movie came out now, it would not be nearly as impressive and it w- or wouldn't hit the zeitgeist in the same way that it did then. So I think, yeah. I think what you had is Hollywood's trying to figure out how to make money because it's not making as much. 
And um, so they're turning to comic book franchises. That's all you see is comic book movies. And you're looking at reboots and rebrandings of films that at one point had a large fan base that they can bank on even the haters going to see. So if in 30 years, if that's the same climate, then yeah, I think that's going to be part of it. I think the other part of it is, again, outside of, outside of films specifically, where are we at as a society? Because right now I think we're at a point of a lot of, a lot of civil disrest. I think if you look at, not, not to turn it to a too political conversation, but I think if you look at the current climate over the last 10 years, there's been a lot of change in a very short, rapid amount of time. People are generally finding themselves in a poorer situation than they would have been in years prior and not making any more money, not, not getting ahead of life. The dream of owning a home is gone. A lot of the things that you were promised are no longer really feasible for you. Most, most people our age are saddled with a massive student loan. You start, fa you start factoring those things. I mean, the, the, the old adage is that in the worst of times, cinema thrives. Right? If you look at the Great Depression, cinema still did fantastic. And some fantastic films came out during that time because people looked for an escape. And that's kind of what cinema and art has always been for people. It's an escape from reality. And, and, and um, you could make the argument that, that more, more um, a better use of art is to, is to shine a mirror back at society. And, and there's to be a more of a dialogue between the art and the viewer. But, I, but largely, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a form of entertainment. It's a, it's, a, it's a form of distraction. So um, where are we at in 30 years? Are we, do we still have the same civil rest? Are we still having these same economic pressures? Are we still feeling um, like the world has changed on us without us being aware? Then, yeah, I think you do. I think you get people looking for anything to cling on that feels consistent. And when you change that, I think you're going to have a lot of uh, aggression facing it. Well, I think it's a given that in 30 years we'll definitely still have all that stuff. We've always had that. That's just life on earth, what you're describing. I think we're going to see this going on and on. If there was just anything that was kind of cool that you kind of remember, you can count on seeing it made again. You yeah, know, but by and, the way, you know, there have been there have been successful remakes before. I mean, this is a little bit of a difference, but there was an animated Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, it was great. And, yeah, I loved it. And, 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 and people think very fondly of that film. And when the live-action version came out, you didn't see this aversion towards it. You know, I mean, uh, I don't there, recall it. I, I did hear a little bit. Yeah, really? There were, there were some out there. Yeah, that's not as good as the animated one. I mean, it, it's way different. But uh, yeah, there were some that actually felt there was a strong enough connection that they needed to compare the two. But I uh, think the strength of that so. film was strong enough that people largely enjoyed it. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the Appuccino Scarface is a remake of an that's original right. You know, and again, the strength of the film is strong enough that it not only is a worthy successor, but but maybe better. You know, in, in a lot of ways. Oh, so yeah. it is it is possible. I think I think it is possible to reboot something and make it make it at least serviceable, if not you know really good. Um, I think sometimes that's the, that's part of it. Is that these aren't very good films, and you get burned enough times. Uh, like the Onion, I saw the Onion did this thing where they were kind of having uh interviewing people about it. it it was you know it was fake but uh the quote was something like you know i i, I blindly um criticized the previous movie and for the same reason i'll blindly uh advocate right. this one or so you know <laughs> it <was> just, <laughs> i think i saw that one yeah, yeah i was like i didn't see the last movie and i you know but and i haven't i don't know anything about this one but i like it already and uh, right. yeah this it, it gets pretty obvious that uh the motivations are you know about sex and uh, or gender uh, yeah right. not not at all about the quality of the film our our guest host from last week jude was telling me when he was living in los angeles during the northridge um earthquake which was pretty destructive right he was right in the he was right in the center of it and he he was telling me that um you know the the ground shook so much it, it flung him from the from the bed uh -huh. you know and um he and his and his girlfriend at the time they you know they escaped and they got they were safe and what have you but he he said he distinctly remembered thinking that everyone was trying to kill him including including his girlfriend there was oh. this like this deep sense of dread within him that's that they were trying to attack her, that everyone was trying to attack him like everyone and and he said that she felt the same way and he said that 
that he later learned that the, the what happens during events like this is that um, there are certain things that we rely on to be consistent. You know, one of those things being gravity, right? Ground right. is solid. It will never move. It, you're okay. Gravity exists always. So when you're in a situation where gravity is acting against you and flinging you all over the place, you know, when, when this thing that you rely on, the ground to be steady, is no longer reality, it really messes with your psyche. Hmm. And I yeah. think... And I think that for a large portion of America, predominantly white males of a certain age in particular, and certainly of a certain economic status in particular, they have not had to share. They have had a, um, they have had a monopoly on leading roles, on stories being told of. You know, they, take, they have taken a front seat firmly in entertainment in all aspects, right? Uh -huh. for, for the most part up until if you look at music maybe up until sort of the rise of hip-hop that's that has definitely changed um but certainly in rock was predominantly dominated by white males and if you look at movies it's predominantly dominated by white males both on the creative side and in front of the camera um most of your most successful authors you know all the, all the way down the line right and um as a society as we're progressing that is changing so if you were if you grew up a young man who was used to seeing a face not so different than yours, you know, splattered across all media, and then slowly but surely you're seeing that change, and not only are you seeing that change, but familiar faces are changing to not look like yours, which is something that those of us who are who are people of color have experienced our entire life. Um, oh yeah. It's causing a sense of disruption, and I think that's where a lot of this anger is coming from. There, are, now sometimes I will admit that there are. I have seen I have seen films that uh, they've changed the, um, you know, the racial identity of the the protagonist, uh, the main character, and um, it it does. You know, it, often these are films that are based on books, things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, like the Dark Tower comes to mind. That was a terrible film, and. Mm -hmm. That had nothing to do with Idris Elba not being white, uh, the, but the, right. the lead character. Uh, but but when I saw that they had cast a black lead, you know, which I love Idris Elba, I was I was pretty excited about that. But but I I just knew right away there were certain elements of the book that wouldn't be in the film uh, because uh, there there is a character, there's a black character in that book that um, she kind of has two personalities. She's through because of a, a severe trauma that she experienced. She. Um, took on this this other persona of an incredibly prejudiced southern black woman that just hates white people mm. and whenever she changes to this woman you know none of the other characters uh th three white guys can get her to trust them at all and sometimes she even is you know thinking they kidnapped her because you know she it's a schizophrenic kind of thing where she'll just turn into this other person and not know how she got there or anything. Right. And so, and it's a really, uh, uh, tense parts in the book where suddenly this woman is, you know, this, that was just really friendly and cool is now like speaking with this weird cadence and, and calling them honkies. And, uh, you know, she doesn't want to, uh, she's trying to get away from them cause she thinks these honkies have kidnapped her. And with, by changing the lead character to a black man, there was no way they could have had that in the film. So I right. just knew, you know, it's just some, something that I just saw that I saw that, Oh, we, they've made him black. So I just knew right away a large amount of the, uh, you know, the source material is going to be cut out. But um, it, but man, really great example because the dark tower was a terrible film. No matter what Idris Elba made it better but he couldn't do much. I mean, that was a bad, bad, bad movie. Don't watch The Dark Tower, even if you're a fan of the books, even if you like Stephen King movies, even if you believe that movies, movie versions are better than book versions. It's this isn't the case. Uh, you know, this, that's a bad movie. Well, and I, I think there is something to be said for that. I think, you know, if these movies, if these reboots and these remakes were were good, strong, maybe even better than the original, like some of the ones like the Scarfaces or the Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. then maybe some of this anger gets dissipated some. Well, you know, certain things work at a certain time, and they don't work later on for various reasons. I think that the joy you felt as a three, four, five-year-old watching Star Wars can never be recaptured as a 35, 45, 55-year-old man. 
It just is not. But if you're willing to share the space a little bit, that that same joy will be found in a, someone who's five year old now. You know, I I hated the um, the prequels. You know, those prequels were were awful. Oh yeah, and I, and I was like, "What is George Lucas doing?" And this is—I mean, I never felt like it ruined the original three. The original three are pieces of art; they're, they're still there, and I can enjoy them at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, George Lucas changed some things that were just—I thought—made the film series and the, and the mythology of the world worse. Um, then I was watching a Kevin Smith um, interview once, and he was talking about how—and he said it very bluntly. He was like, "Hey, man, this film ain't for you. You had your film. This is someone else's film." Right. This is the new, this is the new five year old's film, and yeah. and and when I saw that, I remember you know because I was this the 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 prequels came out what in the the nineties yeah in the late nineties I think they started coming out yeah so I was a teenager then and so now as an older man I look back and I say hey you're right you know and sometimes sometimes you can enjoy uh, these new characters in the same way maybe maybe you can occasionally recapture that that is the power of film right sometimes you can recapture that original feeling I. I, I recently watched um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I, I I have not walked out of a film like that that made me feel that attached to the characters. I used to watch a movie and then walk out. If I watched James Bond, I'd walk out of that movie and I'd be like, I'm a spy. If I watched Ninja Turtles, I'd walk out of that movie like, want to do karate. Cool. You know? And, yeah. I, and I haven't had that feeling in a long time. And I, I watched the Spider-Verse, and you see this young man, and it's... You know, the, the character of Miles Morales isn't really that different than Peter Parker in terms of setup, in terms of personality to some degree. Um, you know, he's a wisecracking young man who's super smart, who gets bit by a radioactive spider, and he is now Spider-Man, right? Both uh-huh. characters, same basic pattern. Okay. But, but just setting his roots a little bit differently, setting, I don't know how familiar you are with the character of Miles Morales. Not at all. Okay, so so uh, just to backtrack slightly, Marvel a few years back introduced the Ultimates uh, line, which was a alternate re- reality where they were able to reboot their characters while maintaining the current uh, continuity of characters and um, give them fresh takes. Right. In fact, you could argue that Marvel's uh, cinematic universe is largely influenced by the Ultimates universe in a lot of ways. Okay. They draw a lot of inspiration from there, and one of the one of the offshoots of that Ultimate Universe was um, they it had its Peter Parker character, and then he dies. Uh, I forget what episode or what what's the issue, but he he dies for good, and he's replaced by a similar character who is of um, Puerto Rican and Black descent named Miles Morales, okay. who finds himself now having to shoulder the legacy of Peter Parker while also establishing himself as his own Spider Man, and. He became a fan favorite when a few years ago someone said, why don't we make a Miles Morales movie? We've had three, or maybe at the time, two white Spider-Men. Why don't we do Miles Morales and why don't we cast Donald Glover in the title role? And I think Donald Glover um, you know, paid a little lip service to it by putting a Spider-Man shirt on or something to that effect. And there was a big, there was a, there was a little bit of a ground swelling to try to get this thing made to the point where in the um, Spider-Man Homecoming film, they actually gave Donald Glover a small part in it, playing um, the character who would be the uncle to Miles Morales. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so the Spider-Man into the Spider-Man Spider-Verse focuses on Miles Morales as the lead character, as well as some other. There's a little bit of a handoff, like a, a handing of the baton from the original Spider-Man to him, and uh-huh. it's done excellent. The animation is fantastic. But that was a film that you could look at and say is kind of rebooting the. Sp- spider-man franchise at least in the animation world but did so in a very excellent way with a very unique style it's not just spider-man but oh he's a person of color it's it feels authentically different in a lot of ways it feels very fresh you know it's like when you hear a really great cover you know some bands can do that and yeah it's very similar to the original but it just feels fresh and you enjoy it just as much as you enjoyed that original song right Huh. Well, I, I'll check it out definitely on your recommendation. But um, I, I would say, uh, you know, that that name, just the name of the film right there, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. I feel like um, that's not that doesn't sound like a movie I would expect to be good. Right. You know, Star Wars, the uh, what was it? The first, Je- no, the last Jedi, you know, all, all of, right. I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like these films, like the clues are kind of in the titles that like these aren't, you know, 
art films. These aren't thinkers. These aren't like, uh, you know, g- gonna inspire you. They're just kind of, uh, you know, fun, the Avengers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there, it seems like, I, hmm, they're, 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 we're at a place right now where I think our culture is just so saturated with, uh, with ideas, you know, that have been, that are, that have been around for so long that we're, we're having a real hard time making new things. And I think we're, we're kind of reaching this critical mass where we're at the point where we're just, it's going to be remakes and it's going to be weird mm-hmm. names like that. And it's going to be, you know, films for, where the target audience is adults, but the hero wears his underwear on the outside of his pants, you know, like Batman and Spider-Man and, and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't see a very bright future right now because uh, of four, because I think it's just, we're at that point, like where all we're going to have left is remakes. All we're going to have is rehashes. Uh, and it, and it's going to be lazy yeah, stuff. To it's some gonna... degree, but there's, there are, uh, yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, that's where economics come into play because again, people don't go to movies at the same frequency to watch art house yeah. films. You know that the, the the art of the art of going to the cinema, it's not dead, but it's it's on life support, and and it's sort of, it's like vinyl, it kind of caters to a select a select niche, um, and and it's not it's not that's not putting a blame on the audience. I mean, when a movie going experience is fifty dollars potentially, you know, in Los Angeles, a movie ticket is sixteen to eighteen dollars. Yeah. If you're buying it for two and then you're buying parking and then you're buying food, it's it's not a cheap endeavor. And so um, with with the rise of nicer television sets and surround systems and, you know, all the streaming services that have, you know, millions of movies at your fingertips in the comfort of your own home, it gets tough. It gets tough to bring people out there, which means that the only thing that um, studios are putting out or, or, or largely are banking on these, or these big tentpole things. They have to hit huge with these films because their smaller films just don't really make that much money. But there are still good ones out there. And I think, I think while, while cinema has taken a little bit of a hit, I think that uh, television is at a golden period. Oh, okay. You know, where I think a lot, of more, a lot more resources are being put into making series um, enjoyable and cinematic because they know that's where people are watching. They're watching at home. So the you know a Black Mirror is a great example. Um, Game of Thrones is a great example. Um, speaking of Donald Glover, Atlanta. If you've not seen the show Atlanta, I highly highly I recommend it. It's like it's so fantastic. It's you would love it, especially it's got it's got a very avant-garde sort of look at real life in Atlanta. It's very, it's rooted around the idea of these characters who are um, uh, trying to trying to get out of the ghetto basically through one character's rap career, and so it's got that sort of real deep rooted, you know, trying to get out of the community or trying to make it in the community theme, but then it just goes weird, man, <laughs> in the best possible way. It does some weird, weird things, and they um, they hit home and they're poignant and they're surrealist. That's it's it's a surrealist look at black life in atlanta it's fucking fantastic i highly recommend you watch it yeah um so when you look at when i look at stuff like that like it's it's refreshing it's rewarding but you know what in 30 years if they remake atlanta and it's a bunch of white dudes then people are gonna be pissed off also or or a bunch it'd be a bunch of women i guess they would do that they because they maybe so i mean that that what but that was the thing you just said about a bunch of white dudes i mean that was the norm back when we were young it was uh right. you know stories being told with the characters being replaced with uh white white actors and white characters uh all yeah. the time uh was uh cheech has said that he had to go to the, the you know we have to go to the movie uh where the actor has to wear contacts uh to cover his blue mm-hmm. eyes you know <laughs> so he can yeah yeah <laughs> like well you know for that's that's just it then that goes to my my original point you know for years the standard I, I've, I've i've often said this um to people even people who are not uh, of white descent i've said close your eyes imagine a lawyer what's he look like old white guy you know imagine uh Michael yeah Douglas. imagine a cop what's he look like yeah yeah even if you're even if like me who's hispanic if i start thinking about any just name something now if i said think of a gang member what do you imagine yeah um I'm like a drug Fonzie, what do you like he's got a leather jacket and his hair is slicked back and 
It's like blood yeah, in, blood out for most people. He's got a flannel on and a do-rag, and he's, his parents, right, right. a few that's... generations back, his family probably lived in another country uh, where their skin is not white. Yes, of course, yeah. Right, right, right. So, and, and some of that, like you look at a, a seminal film like Boys in the Hood, sh- kind of reinforces that idea, but that was, a, that was more of a reflection of real life. But there are people of all color who are who are drug dealers who are gang members who are criminals just like there are people of all colors who are in the quote-unquote more respectable positions in life and yet because of the way media has been structured because of the people who are in charge i i one time had uh i don't think i've said this before but i I used to work at a, a small little boutique production company and myself and my sort of partner in crime who's of uh, an asian american woman and we're sitting across the desk from our boss at the time who was new to the company. He had just replaced our old boss and he's a white guy. And he sat there and with a straight face and no irony whatsoever told a Mexican American man and an Asian American woman that the hardest thing in life was to be a white male in Hollywood. Okay. Well, did he elaborate on that at, at all? Uh, that's an interesting oh, position. There. Because, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's actually a position that I've, I've seen a lot of people take. I've actually heard many people say, man, it's really tough to be a white guy in Hollywood. It's really tough to be a white director in Hollywood. It's really tough to be a man director in Hollywood right now. And what they really mean is, and these are, by the way, not all these are conservative people. Some of these are progressive oh, yeah. people who, who kind of understand it, but it's still what, they, what they're realizing. They no longer have a monopoly on, on the work, and they have to share that load now. And, and maybe they're no longer... The, the prime candidate any so longer. So the job is just and at its at, like actual level of toughness for them. Like it's like I don't have an advantage right. anymore. It's really tough to do this exactly. naturally tough job now, and it wasn't tough for anybody but me. You know, it wasn't tough for me back in the day. Now I'm on the equal playing field, and I'm realizing that it's actually a tough job, and and I'm not ready for that level of work that I have to put in. You know that everybody does. Right. Right, exactly. So if you are, so with those are the, if those are the sort of the tastemakers, right? If those are the people producing the content, and that's now changing because life is mm-hmm. changing, then what you're going to see is more inclusion. You're going to see people who are trying to make films that are more inclusive of different people of color, and and then you combine that with the fact that Hollywood's not making the same kind of money it used to make in the '90s, and so it's just pumping out reboots. And what you have is a reboot. But with a, a race bend or a gender bend, and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and that that I think that's more dependent on the level of thought behind it. I think the idea of Batman being black and introducing the the um, a culture that lends itself to the the core of the story, I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, just changing things for the sake. I think changing um, the ancient one in um dr strange to a white english woman eh, maybe not the best change oh oh she's great the, no give her yeah, she is great the right, but, man the writing okay. has gotten very the writing has gotten very bad i don't know why but it this season the writing has gotten terrible but uh whitaker uh what is her name Lori whitaker i think is uh, I, well should have done some research but uh no 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 not dr who not dr who dr. oh strange. my goodness you, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No, Jody Jody Whitaker is awesome yeah. as the doctor. We love. Doctor Strange. I haven't watched. A, I haven't watched enough of it. I've been a little bit uh-huh. behind. Um, but she she certainly has the personality and um, the characteristics to be the doctor. No, I was talking about the the movie with Doctor Who. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry about the movie, that. <laughs> the movie Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's no, all good. The, the, but oh. we should talk about that. The movie Doctor Strange changed the angel one who was played by an, an yeah. Asian man in the comic right. to Tilda Swinton, who's an English woman. Yes, Tilda Swinton, who was who fantastic and uh, a very mysterious, uh, sort of exotic-looking person, um, which. You know, sure, but yeah, why would they need to to change that casting? That's that's so strange. And, and my my understanding was that they felt that the original role was kind of racist. Oh. That the original role was <laughs> the Asian man who teaches the white man to be the savior for the Asian culture, uh-huh. and so to combat that, they said, "Well, what if we what if we cast it as a androgynousy, gender bending figure who could be anyone?" I, and I understand that. But I also think if you look at the lead characters from Doctor Strange, it's a it's an English woman that's a black man 
who's also English, and it's uh, well, I guess they're all English. It's it's a black man, it's a white woman, and it's a white man. Yeah. All, all rooted in Asian mysticism. There's one. There is one Asian character. He plays the servant. That's right. A little bit okay, of a so up. yeah, so a that's a that's up. a tough one. So they were trying to uh, diversify and 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 be more culturally sensitive, and they just they just got the wrong answer, I guess. What was I think so. what I think was so. the I right it's answer? A, it's a tough what one. Should they have done? I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know. You know, I think I think that just sort of to put a bow on it. At the end of the day, things are rapidly changing in society, and and to your point, people who were previously in power now have to be on an equal playing field and that's very disruptive for a lot of people and for the viewers they're acting out accordingly they're 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 blaming the fel- there's a there's a whole movement called comic skate oh yeah which focuses on this angry idea that like how dare you turn thor into a woman never mind the fact that thor has previously been a horse-faced alien and a yeah. frog you know like that was refined but no he can't be a woman um, or that, that Iron Man is a black woman or that whatever, right? The characters are gay. It's just, there's this angry mob of nerds who are just trying to rally against these changes because they no longer have the monopoly on it anymore. I mean, but why are they still, but my point is why are they still going to those sources? You know, so what Thor's a woman, what does that matter to you? Why do you still need Thor comic books to be good? Maybe it ran its course, man. You you got what you got. You had some stories about Thor that you liked when you were 15 and they were really cool and and you still have those. But why do you need Thor to still be your thing today? Don't you have something else by now? And that's what I'm saying, you know? Right. Why do we need why did we need 2016 for the Ghostbusters to be our ideal Ghostbusters, you know? Because uh, it's it shouldn't matter at all. Oh, they're they're making a Ghostbusters right. film. That doesn't sound very good because, you know, that was a movie that came out when in, in, in 1984 and has no relevance today, but they're going to do it anyway. Uh, right. Like, and, and how many, how many, regardless of how good that movie may or may not be, or my personal feelings on the quality of that movie, how many young girls who are five, six, seven years old saw that movie and said, I want to be a Ghostbuster and had that same level of joy that we had. Oh, totally. I, I, I mean, I know women my age that love to do cosplaying and stuff and, uh, you know, Kate McKinnon's character from Ghostbusters is still is a really popular cosplay, and it's should be. It's a really cool costume, man. It was a cool character. Yeah, she was definitely the standout. I thought. I thought every time she was kind of taking center focus on screen, it was like, oh, we need more of this. This need. We she's need more hilarious, of that. man. That that is. Yeah. Yeah. Every time she's on SNL, every character she does, I love it. She's great. But yeah, my. I mean, that's just what I'm saying, man. It's like you get these guys. You know, I used to like Batman. You know, or like I used to like the X-Men before it got all SJW. And it's just like <laughs> what? you still do like the X-Men. You, you can still pick up those issues that were the stories you appreciated back then. You don't you don't have to hate on all of it. You know, it, so what? Just because they're still making something that you used to think you had ownership of. It doesn't mean you don't still have the thing that you had when you were younger. You don't have to appreciate the new version of it who cares if the new version doesn't fit you you know a film like you know going back to the spider-man a film if you're 35 years old film called spider-man enter the spider-verse didn't you know wasn't your ideal spider-man you shouldn't have an ideal spider-man okay you should you're 35 years old you should you shouldn't care you know and you shouldn't hate on the people who are out there enjoying it because it's different than what you think it should be. That's stupid. Grow up. You know, get over it. Get on, move yeah. on to something else. Get diversify your tastes. Read a book. Well, and and the great thing about living in life and and the art and culture is that the the real reward of it is that you're it's like a, it's like the borrow the book program, you know? You're able to enjoy it, you're able to read it, you're able to have fond memories of it, and then yeah. you pass it on. You pass it on to the next generation, you pass it on to that next person, you share it, and you pay it forward. And you let go. And it doesn't mean that you can't go back to it and visit it. But if there's a new version, if there's a new sequel, if there's a new reboot, if there's a remake and it's not to your liking, you'll, you'll live. You'll be okay. The, the, the old movies are all still there. You could be disappointed, sure. Maybe it doesn't hit your standard. That's okay. But there's a whole group of young people right now who are craving their, their moment. And so it's time for you, largely young, angry males, 
to step aside and let a young generation enjoy that content and and have their moment. Yes. You had yours. Now it's now it's time go to go learn job um, skills. Listen again. Do something important go, for society. And and I would say even more than that, it's time for you to create oh, your yeah. own art now and understand that process. Understand the process of creating art, and then I think you will have a better sense of an idea of what the impact of art is and what its role in society is and, and when it's uh, time to let go and that, let it change and evolve and, and Oh yeah. You nailed it, man. That if you, if you make your own art, the stuff out there isn't going to be anywhere near as important to you. You're going to be, you have something to focus on, you know, make your own. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's my kind of fitting on it. Um, I don't know if the, the, Ghostbusters episode three is going to be great or not. Uh, I, think, know, we'll I think you do know. See, let, I think you know. <laughs> Look, if 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 Bill Murray is in it, I will give it a shot. <laughs> the man rarely, rarely lets us down. Uh, even that Christmas special he did, it brought me some joy. It's it's called Ghostbusters. How often do you use either of those words in a sentence? This is Buster. <laughs> I'll use it as often as I want to. From, from from my feeling and and Matt's, if you're if you're the type of person who is feeling anxiety or anger or hatred towards these new movies who are maybe changing these roles that you grew accustomed to, um, create your own, create your own art, and and then let's see how we feel and and or or just put your own thing out in the world. I think that's going to be a far more satisfying use of your time an angry typing way at the internet that the SJWs are ruining the world. So if you see some movie trailer coming out, something that reminds you of something from when you were a kid or it's they're doing some idea again, don't be afraid of no remake. It's not, You're probably not the target audience. If it looks weird, if it's got some faces that are new, uh, it's not for you. So if you want something, make your own. Listen to us. Be you know Go out there and, and just make some new art and... Uh, and, and, and show everybody what they're doing wrong. Maybe you're right. You've been listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the I Ain't Afraid No Reboot Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.